What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another edition of the JHJ's podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. We got Jage Jumpers, Jaron Jackson Jr., John Morantz, Joe Johnson's Jaw Raps, of course. Wait, I keep I keep messing up. <laughs> there are no there are no John Morantz or Jaw Raps. There are Jaw Raps. That's what we decided. Yeah, we decided there are Jaw Raps. John Morant on temporary hiatus from the intro to the podcast. I suppose Jimmy Butler's are still there. The Miami Absolutely. Heat, still kicking. Um, Jamal Murray's sure. <laughs> Nikola Jokic's. It has less of a ring because it's not a J sound. It's a yeah. Yo. Right. Michael Porter Jr. Chair. <laughs> Chair. Just all of them. Just 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 throw them all in there. But we got you. We got them for days. Josh, how you doing? I don't know. Did you feel like the Zach Eady thing was kind of anticlimactic? I not for a single second thought he was staying in the draft. Not for a single second. Yeah. So And I guess so I was I, I was guess, hoping. Yeah. I was hoping we were going to get some kind of Canadian, you know, big maple reference or something. I don't know. I was hoping for kind of that's far. That's far. Does Amac? That's that's the big maple. Hold on a second. Doesn't You're not, doesn't Zach Eady go by that too? He might. I just know that that Fardos was the one that I was researching and someone and and learned that he was also the big maple. I was I just felt like there was a big opportunity here and he just kind of went with the Wolf of Wall Street thing. But yeah, I I just I I guess I I don't exactly see Zach Eady as an overproduced <laughs> return to Purdue but, thing and I also don't right. see Purdue as the type of program who would overproduce some sort of return thing. Right, that's him. the other part of it is that Zach E.D. and that program are not the people to produce that kind of content. Right. You are absolutely correct. Right. So, I don't know. I I thought I I I, not, I didn't for a second think he was going to not come back. So, I guess from that perspective, I would have been like, "Did you think that everybody thought you were going to stay in the draft?" Kind of thing that you put together this big massive this big massive video but you know it is what it is he's back the big fella on his way back to purdue and with without uh, with nothing but a, a tasteful social media uh video grab from another from another movie yeah may 31st was the nba draft declaration deadline sure National big fan holiday. of that national holiday um list of guys heading into yesterday there was a a substantial list of guys that were going to impact the college basketball season whether they were actually playing college basketball art or not and we were waiting for a, a host of them to to make decisions yesterday had some stay in the draft had some come back to college and and, and josh i was thinking about this throughout the day that for all of the for all of the maybe overreaction maybe just conversation about what all of the alternative paths to the NBA draft and to the NBA there are that exist now yesterday there were a lot of guys that are fun for college basketball that stayed in college basketball and it felt like a it felt like a day that set up uh, what's going to be a fun college basketball season next year. And we get to, right, we have all these conversations about 
you can go to the G League night, you could go to overtime elite, you could go overseas, you could do this or that. And when we get to these days in the calendar where those things kind of meet, right? Um, that it, it doesn't feel like college basketball is struggling to keep its big names longer. If anything, guys are staying longer now yep. because of the financial um, gains that they could have. And for a lot of them, gains that uh, go beyond what they would make playing for uh, a G League team or playing on a two-way contract in the NBA next season. So uh, I, I thought it was a good day for college basketball, and there are a lot of fun names. And, and as a result, uh, teams that are going to be fun next season uh, in college hoops. Yeah, I feel like and maybe you agree. Usually there are a few guys that stay in the draft that you just kind of go, hmm, not sure about that one. Mm-hmm. I get it. Right? I'm never going to fault somebody for beginning a professional career and trying to make money. Mm-hmm. But just from a development career perspective, should probably flip those around, career development perspective, I'm just not sure that's the best option. Right. And I feel like this season, and to a certain extent last season as well, that has started to change with NIL, where there isn't that pressure to begin because the financial, like like you just said, the financial impact is not all that appealing because you have the ability to make so much money in college. And so now it's more of a, is this really in my best interest to go now? Or do I feel like being in college another season is going to give me an opportunity to develop something further? Or I have kind of a specific Zach Eady thing I want to say for once we start talking about him in particular. But I felt like there weren't many people I was surprised by their decision. Certainly not the ones that I was all that curious in their decisions. Like, you know, J- Josiah Jordan James withdrew from the NBA draft. There were some and some Tennessee volunteer decisions that were interesting, but honestly, I just don't especially care all that much. And and I, I think you're right. There used to be a you know the guys that were going to go to the draft on potential, anyways, regardless of when they went it seemed like if there was any chance they would be picked, you know, late in the first round or early in the second round that they were all going. Mm-hmm. And that's not, that, that doesn't seem to be the case anymore because it was either play college hoops and okay, maybe your draft stock goes up, but also it could just be another 30 game sample size that maybe your potential shouldn't be sought after. Right. And, and more question marks about whether you can really reach what you're supposed to be. Correct. Right. Correct. And, instead, and Dylan Mitchell is coming back to Texas. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And and NIL is absolutely, absolutely a part of that equation. Yeah. And so the only example I can think of is Chris Livingston, who is still probably going to be a first rounder. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like he's out there betting on himself to go through a G League contract to get to the NBA. Right. Right. And he's going to get drafted because he was on the, you know, he was on NBA radars. He was, Highly taught to recruit all of that stuff. And he's about the only one where from a kind of evaluation perspective, you're betting a lot on potential. And 
he had some good moments last season where Dylan, you know, Dylan Mitchell, just because that team was so good, didn't get very many opportunities. You could see the talent, you could see the athleticism, but now he is because of NIL and because of his decision to stay, right? He could have a monster season with a much bigger role for Texas. And all of a sudden you're talking about, oh, if this goes well, you're talking about a lottery pick next season and a guy you feel really good about because he's got all the the stuff that you can't really teach in terms of the skills. And now he can prove that he can put it together in the Big 12. Right. So let's get into this. Let's start with Zach Eady and and then we can kind of kind of go from there. Of course, reigning national player of the year, 22.3 points, 12.9 rebounds, 2.1 blocks per game. Is that any good? Um <laughs> on his way back to to West Lafayette and you know, like I said a moment ago, I I never really thought that Edie was going to stay in the draft. Just like I didn't think, and I kind of roped the two big fellows together, just like I didn't really think Oscar Shibway was going to return to Kentucky and return to college. But nonetheless, a, a really big deal for a for a Purdue program that's been pretty quiet this this offseason otherwise and, and that's pretty uh that's pretty typical of of a Matt Painter program. There's not a ton of of bring guys in, uh guys are leaving type of uh musical chairs, so to speak. You're right. They're they're bringing a a small forward in from the Indianapolis area, a freshman in Miles Colvin, uh, Lance Jones from Southern Illinois, a guy who's a defensive uh, defensive, all MVC defense type guard, roughly 14 points a game the last three years. But other than that, there's not a ton going on. So ED coming back, right, is the foundation, is the pillar at the center of anything that, that Matt Painter's team might do next season. And whatever their ceiling is in 2023-24, unlocked by the fact that the big guy from Canada is, is going to be uh, lurking around West Lafayette for one more year. Yeah. It's an interesting question to think about how good they would have been without him. I mean, they're probably an NCAA tournament team, right? You'd have to give them the benefit of the doubt there. Yeah, but probably only because it's Matt Painter on the sidelines. And you got a year of continuity and yeah. Sure, but we got to the point by the end of the the year that no one liked anything that Purdue did other than the fact that Zach Eady was on the team. Right. It would have been a trendy, like Purdue is bottom five in the Big Ten. It would have been a trendy thing to say heading into next season. Yeah. Far and away the most important decision that came. Mm -hmm. The the thing I kept thinking about and kind of my, I guess, quote unquote, take on this is if you're Edie, right? There was this talk about, you know, somebody offering, basically guaranteeing to draft him in the second round and all that kind of stuff outside of the obvious that when you play high level sports, you can get injured. And as a seven foot four guy, your body's probably a little more susceptible to that. What is the downside here? Outside of the obvious, right? You can make all this money. You get to be the best player in the country, compete for a national championship and have a responsibility. You're not going to have again in your career. Probably at least in the NBA, just from an NBA draft stock standpoint, 
somebody's still going to take him in the second round next year. How can you not? Mm-hmm. And if he starts shooting threes, maybe he turns into Walker Kessler, you know? No, not the same player. But this idea of that guy doesn't really look like he fits, but all of a sudden he finds a way to fit and makes it and makes contributions and he helps himself be able to stay on the floor because all of a sudden this guy who's so good in the post, you also have to respect because he's got a jump shot and mm-hmm. he can give you 16 you know, to 22 valuable minutes a game. They're just his foundation. His floor is so high <laughs> because he is Zach Eady. Mm-hmm. It's not like you have to. There aren't any questions about what he provides. It's the opposite of Dylan Mitchell, right? Those, those you know, high ceiling guys. The more you play and you don't actually live up to your potential, the more questions that are they're going to be. Like we were talking about, if, can you actually reach that? Eady, it's the opposite. It's does he have anything else? Well, maybe he does, and if he does, he's going to get to show it. And if he doesn't, it's still a seven foot four guy who's a great passer, and is just a behemoth. You know, he's still going to be able to help your team, even if he doesn't show any kind of improvement over the next year. Yeah, I. I and someone asked me a similar question a couple of days ago, and they said, "Do you think? Do you think he's going to stay?" And I said. Yes, I think he's going to stay, and I think he's going to take two and a half threes a game. Yeah. Because that's, to your point, there's a very obvious... Like, he's going to average 22 and 13 again next year. (laughs) He's just going to. If anything, the big guys he has to face in the Big Ten got easier. (laughs) Because there's no... I mean... There's no Hunter Dickinson and there's no Trace Jackson Davis. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Coleman Hawkins isn't exactly your, you know, the, the type of guy to lock down Zachy. There's just, there's just nobody like he's going to average a ludicrous amount of points. Purdue's going to be in the conversation and he's going to run away with Big Ten Player of the Year. There's nobody else that's in the conversation for me. And as a result, to your point, like I, I think I just I just find it hard to believe that even if he doesn't improve in anything next year, that his draft stock moves. Right. He's gonna be and, in the exact same spot. Right. And maybe it gives him a chance to, you know, even if it's just 10 pounds, you know, you know, shed a couple pounds maybe and, and say, listen, can we put me into, first of all, I think it would help produce offense uh, just to move him around a little bit more. Um, But say, Hey, put me in a position where I can show these, these NBA scouts every once in a while that I've, that I've worked on this because I mean, we see the, the, you know, we saw the videos from the combine. Now I've also seen Ben Simmons look smooth from the three point line in the workout. So take, you know, take from it what you will, but a guy who has that kind of touch and is not a tragedy at the, at the free throw line, like that's, that skills probably there at least somewhere. And mm-hmm. when you're seven, four, there's literally nobody who can guard you on the three point line, right? You just are going to get clear three point looks when you're seven, when you're seven, four, that's just kind of how it works. And 
there's a potential for that to happen, but even if not, he'll score 23 and 13 and still be the most dominant force in the sport next year. And someone will guarantee that they draft him with a, with a second round pick again. I I'm, I'm completely on board. Yeah. I want to turn this around and talk about Oscar Shibuya for just a moment. Done with college, off to the NBA. And I think this is an interesting, right? Well, I'll ask, I'll ask you a question first. Is Oscar Shibuya's draft, Oscar Shibuya's draft stock is better or worse the same than it was 12 months ago? Ooh. I'll say slightly better. Okay. I feel I feel like he put his jump shot on display more this season. Okay. Slight decreases in pretty much every statistical category at Kentucky this year from from last year to to this year. Um and I just like I just don't think it's productive next year for Oscar Shibuya to be on a team that has a bunch of freshmen that are trying to prove themselves at the NBA level as well. I think, I think Purdue's entire existence is to shine Zach Eady mm-hmm. in some way, shape or Absolutely. Form. Yeah. And Kentucky's existence is to get everybody to the NBA. Mm-hmm. Fletcher Lawyer is not trying to go to the NBA right. next year. And, and more specifically, yeah. Purdue's existence is to compete for a national championship and compete for Big Ten titles, which means right. to, exactly result, what you right. said, highlighting Zach Eadie. Right. Yes. Nobody's goal. I mean, you can tell, you, you know, anybody who commits to Kentucky can tell me that their goal is to win a national championship. And that can that doesn't have to not not be your goal, but no one goes to Kentucky to win national championships. They just don't. They they go to Kentucky because it is a proven track to to the NBA. And and Calipari has said just as much, right? Yeah. I that is not it is not my job. It is my job to get these guys to the NBA, not to win college basketball games. And as a result, I just think that Shibo would be lost in the shuffle even more than I kind of felt like he was this year. Because his moment of dominance in college basketball came and went, and he didn't go to the draft after. I just, I just don't think if he had come back to Kentucky or gone anywhere, that what he was to the sport two years ago will return. I think Zach Eady can be exactly what he was to the sport last year. Yes, in twenty twenty three twenty four, and and I'm not sure Shibay would ever return to to that apex mountain of his college career that was a couple years ago so you might as well just it's kind of the the other side of the coin to the same conversation about i'm not sure it's going to get any better i guess it could get a little worse but ultimately i'm not sure it's worth the 12 more months in college and you might as well just go at a point where you're going to get drafted somewhere let me take it one step further sure so Chris Livingston also declared Antonio Reeves is coming back to college somewhere. TBD yeah. where? Yeah. Is this the best case scenario for Kentucky losing all three guys? If from a from a what perspective? From a success from, next season perspective. 
Absolutely not. Interesting. Okay. No. Five five freshmen in your starting lineup don't win college basketball games well, so, at a high level anymore. And that's that's really what I was getting at. To me, this is fascinating. Because fascinating, have, yes. But this you is have, not how you are successful college basketball. Team. Right. Because you have two different things. Can you be because the other the other part of that is can you be successful building a team around Oscar Sheeple again? And you were adamant the answer is no. No. So, but which... the, but relative to but is a basketball team would I bet on a basketball team with Oscar Sheeway at the center of it being better than this the Kentucky team that they now have one hundred percent fair one hundred percent that's really what I was that's what I was getting at is, as you were somebody who was on this from the beginning of last season saying they're not this doesn't work now they're going the complete opposite direction. Of, you know, 100% modern, all the freshmen, the one and dones, which mm-hmm. also has not led to success. So does does that change if Antonio Reeves comes back? I don't think Antonio Reeves is coming back to Lexington. Yeah, I don't think so either. It, it's just a, I, I guess my ultimate point here is. Because Antonio Reeves also gets lost in the shuffle. Right, exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. 100%. And because Calipari doesn't want, like, if you ask Calipari, hey, would you rather you have two of your freshmen be awesome on the wing or Antonio Reeves be awesome on the wing? He's going to say the freshman because that's the point of his job. And that's what people in Lexington will get excited about. Mm-hmm. The yeah. The novelty of Antonio Reeves, if it ever existed, has come and gone. It's yeah. way more fun if DJ Wagner is awesome, right? right. Mm-hmm. So... So yeah, that's and that's part of the the, the point I try try to get out with Sheway too is that it's just being an old big at Kentucky does nothing for you. It just doesn't. Yeah, especially this year with this recruiting class, right? And so you can look at this and go, Kentucky took a massive L here, right? Potentially losing all three guys, at least losing two of them, including Sheway. Mm-hmm. I can also flip it and say, I, yes, do I, am I going to sit here and say that's a national title contender next season? No, not until I see it. And then maybe I'll have to start thinking about the possibility they can win with all those freshmen because I'm right there with you. That formula is not one I buy. At I the will same not t- for a single second next year call Kentucky a national title contender. And you can call me out if I do. They're not. Okay. <laughs> They're not. It doesn't matter how good they are. And at the, so it's not like you're trading in these guys who you lost or potentially lose in Reeves for something that you feel really good about in terms of winning a national championship. Mm-hmm. But also, I don't feel like you're losing all that much in terms of what you would have had with them. It's a very interesting dynamic to me. That's really just all I wanted to discuss. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. And I also just just success is like Kentucky fans are welcome to act like to get all up in arms when Kentucky isn't as good as they quote unquote should be. But that's the it's been a long time since the point of Kentucky was to be as good of a college basketball team as possible. Mm-hmm. And this is the this is the epitome of it. And you see all the guys that could 
Um, you know, Arthur Kaluma, uh, the only interest, interesting possible addition to the roster is Arthur Kaluma uh, withdrew his name from the draft, yep. and it was reported that Kentucky was one of the teams that had reached out to him. Um, I love that. That would be interesting. But I'm a big Arthur Kaluma guy. I'm a big Arthur Kluma guy too. That's why he shouldn't go to Kentucky. <laughs> say if I'm him, I'm not going to Kentucky. Right. Um, yeah. But it will be very interesting because this is the first team since. I mean, how, I mean, I guess one of those Duke teams, the 2018-19 Duke team, that's going to be as dependent on freshman performance as this one's going to be. Mm-hmm. And we'll see how it goes. Especially in a sport that you know went from the best players in the sport leave as soon as they can, we're we're kind of turning the other way. Oh, well, we've done a complete one eighty. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So so having the talent be head and shoulders above the rest is not as big of a in terms of the, your freshman class right. is not as big right. of a needle mover as it once was. Nope. That'll be interesting. Uh, let's talk about another team that. Let's talk about your final four teams. Let's go. Let's talk about UConn and let's talk about, and then we'll, I'll give you the microphone and you can <laughs> tell me that you told me so when it comes to, when it comes to the owls of FAU, but UConn, Tristan Newton on his way back. That was an unsurprising decision that we heard officially. I think it was two days ago now. Um, I think he was one of the first ones yesterday, if I remember correctly. Gotcha. Okay. Um, it all blurs together. There were so many. But the the big news, right? It felt it, it felt like Adama Sonogo was was on his way to the NBA draft, and that that did play out in, in that manner. The big one for UConn, and perhaps the guy that was, you know, at the top of the list for the most important UConn Husky next yep. year was Andre Jackson. He stays in the draft as well. And then all, and, and now all of a sudden a UConn team that right out of the gates of the final four felt like a team that was going to be right there again next year. At the very least, Josh, we have some unproven holes in that UConn roster and, and Dan Hurley's attempt at a, at repeating and being the first team to repeat since Florida back in the two thousands, uh, a much sketchier proposition at this point. Yep. We talked about this a little bit when we did our preseason top 10. I have questions to me. Andre Jackson doesn't get the credit he deserves. The story of how they figured this out again was realizing how to use him effectively and how to maximize what he did well while hiding the thing he doesn't do well, which is shoot the basketball. But everything else he's so good at, it's a massive loss. It's a bigger loss than Sonogo. Klingon is going to be just fine. And so getting Tristan Newton back helps. and. They're another one of those teams now that they know they've lost these guys. Transfer portal round three. Maybe they make a big splash here and then we'll have a little mm-hmm. bit different conversation. But yeah, I I honestly I would rather have Jackson than Sonogo. If I'm one hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm Hurley. That's not because I think Jackson's a better player, that's because I know I have Donovan Klingon. 
Mm-hmm. And because Jackson is is a harder like it's not just that they already have the replacement on the roster. It's it's just he's just harder to replace. Yes, that too. Mm-hmm. It is it is way harder to find a guy that in. Andre Jackson's the type of guy that you lose him and you need two guys on your roster to replace right. the things that he does. Yes. Which is just, I mean, that's just math. That's just yes. math, right? But yes. but absolutely, this was one of the bigger decisions in terms of the ceiling of a team that didn't necessarily in, involve the very best player that was making a decision on that team. Because, right, Adama Sonogo was a better college basketball player than Andre Jackson last year and would have been a better college basketball player Mm -hmm. this year than Andre Jackson. But it is undeniable the the stick-everything-together nature of of Jackson. And to your point, something that you've harped on throughout the, the tournament was when you figure out how to use a guy like that, it is a massive, massive headache for the other team. That's all, that's UC- all I got there. UConn, UConn top 10 team next year. Yay or nay? No. UConn top 15. Yay or yes. Nay? Okay. I th- I still think that's a team that with with tons of talent, recruiting class coming in, that they're going to be fine. Oh, yeah. But I I I I highly doubt that the conversation next year heading into the season about the you know th- those six teams that really have a chance to that that start the season as national title contenders. Um, I don't, I don't foresee at this point that UConn will will be a part of that inner circle. No, not not far away. Uh, you'll be able to see them in the peripherals of that <laughs> view, but but not quite in that inner circle that some of these other teams are going to. It is. No, this get. is not a look at what they're bringing back from a national, you know, a Final Four team, a national championship team. They might have actually really just been the best team in the country last season, and mm-hmm. they're all coming. This is a completely different team. Speaking and, of, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, just we're gonna have to see what this looks like before you just assume that they can turn into what they were last season. Agreed. Speaking of teams that were in the Final Four that are going to look very, very similar to the team that you saw in the twenty twenty three Final Four, Josh, on this podcast not all that, long, all that long ago, I thought that there was no way that Dusty May in this the current landscape of college basketball was going to get the overwhelming majority of his team back and that we were going to get basically the same FAU that we got in the Final Four. I still stand next to all of the things I said when we had this conversation about how FAU's season is looked at completely differently if they lose but to Memphis, and I will still stand by all of those things that I said about it not being a foregone conclusion that they're a top 15 team in the sport. But with that being said, Elijah Martin, John L. Davis, both headed back to the Owls. Dusty May kept that group together and the foundation is there for them to be a top 10 team next year. Yeah. I'm, I'm even hesitant to jump to the top five thing. 
there should be a lot of people that have just put them down as a top five team. I'm not, I'm not quite there yet. Yeah, I don't. I don't need to. I don't need to reiterate everything I've yeah. already said on this podcast yeah. about that. We've if had that conversation. Think, if you didn't think FAU was a top fifteen team, oh, it was a top ten team on Selection Sunday last year. Um, you like then? Then we need to pump the brakes on them being a top five team with the next, with the same with the same group. Yeah, just saying. I generally agree with that sentiment, but. I'm just- it is super cool that yes. FAU went to the Final Four and FAU found a way to keep the same group together with the way that the sport works right now. That, for me, is the headline and a win for mid-majors and just any team that isn't you know, in the Blue Blood conversation right now. It's, it's, it's a, a massive win. And, and think about it, right? They lost every player that could have returned, returned. Mm-hmm. That means they lost nobody to the transfer portal. Yep. And of the rare teams that don't lose anybody to the transfer portal, they are a team in which other programs were actively recruiting their players to enter the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just there will be interest. It was, I want you to come. Right. Especially, specifically, John L. Davis and Elijah Martin. Mm-hmm. Because... They went through the draft process because they are professional basketball players. Whether they're NBA, we're going to have to see, which is also why, to me, it was smart on, and Dusty May has talked about this idea of, look, if you basically telling these guys, look, if you come back, we're going to find ways to get you your money. Will it be as much as you get at other schools? Maybe not, but he is doing everything he can to do right by these players and say that you deserve your money. We're going to yep. do what we can to make, and obviously he's bought an incredible bunch of goodwill and loyalty that everybody trusts him and go, okay, we really enjoy playing with each other. We trust you. We trust this program. We're just going to do this again. Yep. And they should absolutely be thinking they have a chance to win a national championship. Whether they do or not is a different conversation. Sure. But from from those two guys in particular, if they go do this again, Let's say they go win the AAC or go, you know, toe to toe with Houston, make another deep NCAA tournament run, where it's very clear they are just two of the best players in the country. They're right. Their draft stock, having gone from nobody knew who they were, even though Florida Atlantic had a good, a really good season even before the NCAA tournament, to everybody's eyes are on them. If they have phenomenal seasons, this is going to do wonders. Mm-hmm. Maybe it doesn't lead to an NBA, a long NBA career. But you got to think at least they're getting, you know, summer league invites. Maybe one of them gets drafted. All kinds of opportunities overseas. There is absolutely reason for them to come back and try and build. And that's, to me, what's different about, at the end of the day, what's different about this FAU team than most Cinderella's. There is 100% from a, not just a program standpoint, but an individual standpoint, reason for these guys to come back and try and do this again and see if they can take it even further. It's in their best interest as well, mm-hmm. because we're having a different conversation about come this time next year. If we're talking about another deep run in a AAC regular season title for Florida Atlantic. It's interesting because they kind of fit into specifically Elijah Martin and John L. Davis. The, 
a lot of what happens in the transfer portal with players of their caliber is okay, get me to a place where I can show the NBA that I can play in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing is that it is that they can put themselves in that position at FAU next year. Correct. And whether it's because Dusty May has convinced them of that or they always believed it, that was that that was the biggest reason why I just would not have bet on all of them coming back. Because it like it's it sounds really good right after you go to the final four to be like, yeah, we're gonna run it back. This is awesome. But then when John Calipari comes calling or Texas comes calling or Mark Few comes calling or John Shire comes calling and you're going to play 30 games on national TV next year. And you've already tested the waters because the NBA at least has you on their radar. Then it becomes a lot harder. Mm -hmm. And even, even if it's, even if getting to do everything that you want to do at Florida Atlantic and undoubtedly having more responsibility as a player at Florida Atlantic and all of those things it can be really hard to convince yourself that that is still the best way for you to get to the NBA when there are, when you could staple Duke to the front of your chest. And, and, and I'm not even, and I don't even know off the top of my head, the the T like, I don't even think we got to the point where there were any real reports about any team, about which teams were going after those guys. I'm sure there were names just that that were absolutely that big going after those guys. They didn't let it get to that point though. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and and that is that is cool that whatever is going on at FAU and what Dusty May has done at FAU was able to withstand that and to withstand the big names and the draft and to get all of those guys back is 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 very cool and and it might just be the best way for them to all take a next step forward in terms of in terms of their next the next step in their college, in their professional basketball careers. Yeah, and it's interesting to just think about the role that moving conferences played in this, mm-hmm. because all of a sudden, no, it's not. Yeah, it's not prime time Duke. You know where your games are on at least the ACC network every single game, mm-hmm. but. Houston got on national television plenty of times last season. Was it more ESPN twos? Sure. Mm-hmm. Right. But they are coming in as a team. People are going to want to pay attention to in a conference that is much better than the one they're currently playing in. There yeah. is, there are some added levels of intrigue where it's not just, can we do this again? But it's, there are interesting challenges ahead of this team to back up what they did last season, because yeah. you, you've been one of those people pointing out, and I, I'm also kind of of this mindset generally that I only want to give so much credit to a team for rolling through a conference when they're just better than everybody else. Cause there are a lot of, you know, average high major teams that can do that too. Mm-hmm. So let's see what they can do when they've got Houston on the schedule and they got Memphis on the schedule and when everybody is coming after them because they well, just made Houston. it to a final four. Oh, that's true. Why do they keep Thank you. I said but that about three times at this there's, point. There's yes. all there's all there's all kinds of but but they're kind of in a similar spot to Houston yes. in terms of an AAC team that is 
the pre- preconceived notions of them heading into the year is that that's a really high level basketball team. Right. They are kind and of replacing, coming in immediately and replacing Houston. Yeah. Yes. From, from a, not from a pedigree perspective, of yes. course, but from yes. a, the, the role that they play in that conference yes. next year. But shouts to Dusty Mace, shouts to FAU. It is, it is cool more than anything else. And I, and I will, I will maintain my pumping the brakes on just, on just waiting to see how good they are next year. But it is cool. It is cool. And there's, there's no doubt about that. Okay. Um, let's get to a couple of big 10 teams here. You had Michigan state. I had Michigan state in our top 10 preseason college basketball, uh, way too early college basketball, basketball top 10 a couple weeks ago. And the deadline was very, very nice to them. Uh, AJ Hogard, Jay Nackins, they are on their way back. That's all kinds of production trivia time. How many assists did AJ Hogard? Six point something. 5.9. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot of assists in college basketball. Mm -hmm. Anyways. Um, but Izzo's squad is is ripe with talent for the 2023-24 season, and what happened uh, at the declaration deadline uh, has has cemented uh, Michigan State's place in preseason as as one of the best teams in the sport. This is another good example of this is exactly what should have happened in terms of being in the best interest of these two guys. In years past, though, you just never would have been sure. Because neither of them are NBA players at this point. So go through the process, get your evaluation, get your NIL money, come back, and then try and address the things that, and showcase the things that NBA teams want to see from you. And so I was incredibly confident both of them were coming back. We both operated under the assumption they were both coming back because mm-hmm. just like Edie, it, it didn't make any sense level for them of, to say. <laughs> right. And it's not that the money's going to draw them away because they just can't turn it down because this is Michigan mm-hmm. State. Michigan State will get them plenty of money. Yeah. So this is another good – I mean we, we talked at depth about what this team will be and we'll talk about it more when we get into season previews. That was all of this – I just didn't really even think twice about it. I saw, okay, yep, Aikens is back, Hogarth's back, exactly what I expected. We move on to the more interesting conversations, namely 80 because this was – what I always expected to happen because it's the logical choice. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to, to bring it up. The, yes, the cementing of Michigan state as probably the big 10 favorites. That's an interesting conversation. I mean, yeah, I mean, Zach Eady coming back with, is very helpful. Yeah. very, very helpful. I expect both of those teams to be in the same yes. realm in terms of betting odds when it comes to who's the favorite. And, and when it comes to preseason media polls, I'm sure they will be they will be very tight, and there will be programs, uh, there will be members of the media who go one way or the other. But that was confirmed uh, yesterday, as was, and perhaps a little bit more surprising, if not surprising, just uh, a, a team that absolutely has thrown their name into the hat as one of the better Big Ten teams next year, and that is Illinois, that got back both Terrence Shannon Jr. and Coleman Hawkins. Um, 
Brad Underwood gets his two most important players back with some, right. He's been active in the portal. There have been some nice additions there. And uh, the Illinois train that started kind of with Kofi Coburn and Ayodesumu uh, in one way or another has continued to roll on since those guys left. And it looks like that uh, in Champaign, it will continue to roll at least through the next season. This was the one that was much dicier. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It really felt like this could go either way for both of them. Because Tanner Shannon's been around for a while. There does come a point where I just understand I'm kind of done with college. (laughs) And Coleman Hawkins, you and I are both big on this idea that that dude is going to be a contributor in the NBA. He does all of those things that just scream, you know, Grant, not necessarily the exact same game, but Grant Williams, right? Of just guy who contributes to good NBA teams. (laughs) Yeah. If you told me at the beginning of last year that Coleman Hawkins was not going to average 10 points a game, like that might be my the most disappointing. You were talking about the big 10 player line. of the year. Well, do you remember well, that? Let's talk about well, let's talk about how he started. Yeah, oh no, no, I, I'm not saying you started. were I'm not saying you were wrong. I'm just saying that to your to add to your point cuz I didn't think you were crazy. Do you remember you said you didn't say he was going to win it, but you said something about I think he's going to be in the conversation or something like that. Yes, I do remember that. I do remember that. And it just kind of didn't didn't happen that yep. way. But he's absolutely a guy who is immediately on my radar for a guy in at the tippity top of the, the Big Ten in terms of uh, all conference teams. So this is another one where... 23 and 12 on 8 of 14 shooting and was 5 of 8 from the three-point line against the Eastern Illinois to start the year. <laughs> it's a pretty good stat line. Yeah. Pretty good. Of course. And then it took him four games after that to get to eight field goals. Ah. Yeah. He had six. He had 10 total in the following four games. Mm. Tough. Yeah. Obviously, you're a much better basketball team than you were 24 hours ago. Mm -hmm. At the same time, (laughs) similar to the Kentucky conversation, this team underachieved last season. Mm Mm-hmm. Coleman Hawkins, you didn't get the jump you expected from him. Taryn Shannon was fine, but not exactly what you were hoping for as one of the highest profile transfers in the country. He's very Kevin McCullerish from a from the sense that Terrence Shannon Jr. Terrence Shannon Jr. Okay. The things that he does, I just think are elevated on a really good team than him pulling a mediocre, a mediocre team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, Illinois was better than that last year, but an above average team into one of the more upper echelons of the sport. Yeah. So one more time to dive into this, but that was one of the things I was thinking about with this one is huge to get them both back. Mm-hmm. Also, you got to figure out how to do something different here because last season didn't work. Yeah. Okay, those are the big things that I had on my list. I have a list of other notable returning guys or notable leaving, staying in the NBA draft guys that I can offer to you and you can stop me when you want to, or we can go to you and if there are any big things that you want to make sure we spend some time on, um, then you can take the wheel. I want to throw one thing out there before we get to your list. Okay. Biggest winners of yesterday outside of Purdue? And generally, the NBA draft process, I would argue, 
Creighton. Mm-hmm. Now, Creighton lost Columa and Nemhard to the portal, obviously. That's not part of this conversation. Mm-hmm. But you get Kalkbrenner and Trey Alexander back. Yep. You get Baylor Shireman back. Yep. You add Stephen Ashworth. Yep. And Marquette did not get everybody back because Olivia Maxine's Prosper was the guy who went into the combine and kind of blew up a little bit. And all of a sudden at that point, you're staying in the draft. Yeah. And we talked about UConn. All of a sudden I went from feeling not so great about Creighton to feeling like Creighton might be able to hang with those two teams. And then well, and if it weren't for Villanova, you'd feel even better because Villanova might have won the off season. Yes, yesterday. Villanova has reloaded in a very big way for yes. for other reasons, right? Yes. For 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 transfer reasons, and now yes. the the list of transfers coming to Villanova is really really yes. special. So the, you're looking at those four teams. Maybe Xavier gets themselves into that conversation, mm-hmm. but as kind of the three teams last season that were going back and you know battling back and forth, and ultimately Marquette came out on top. And I guess Providence was in there for a while too. But not only did you get your two guys back, but you the other two teams also lost some pieces. And so now I feel like I still give me Marquette as the best team. I'm not going to waver from that. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, I feel like those three teams and you throw Villa and Villanova on, in there are on much more equal footing than I maybe had expected a month ago. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Trey Alexander was on my list of other notables to return. Uh, he will return to Creighton. And, and right, I th- I kind of thought, you know, if you asked me the day after the national championship what you felt like the hierarchy of the Big East was going to be, right? It'd be, at that point, it was, okay, Marquette and UConn are probably at the tippity top of that conversation and there are some other teams kind of lingering and it feels much more, I mean, Villanova might be the, the, the team that replaces UConn in that conversation with, with Marquette, but the, there was no team that was really far ahead already that their off season was completely ideal. Mm-hmm. So as a result, Right. Well, Villanova's was completely ideal, but that's a team that missed the tournament. Right. So they were jumping into the conversation. Uh, UConn's offseason so far probably hasn't gone the way that they were hoping it would, at least from if for no other reason uh, other than Andre Jackson and Marquette doesn't get everybody back. And Creighton has a really strong both in you know, the draft process, but also getting a guy like Steven Ashworth is very, is an impactful thing. Lost two sticking around. The, the, true. But this kind of hodgepodge in the big East of the only team that has had a truly picture perfect off season thus far is Villanova. And right. that was not a team that was in the conversation at the end of last year. So right. I, I think all of that to say, I think it's, it's setting up to be a, a really fun Big East, Big East year, and to the point where as as long as those teams kind of live up to the expectations at this point, that it's going to feel like every single night you've got a Big East game that means a ton, mm-hmm. and that is between two really high high quality college basketball teams. When Kaluma entered the portal, we because we were having this conversation with our top ten, I felt mm-hmm. like Creighton had a lot of ground to make up, mm-hmm. and I feel like Creighton has basically made that ground up. <laughs> Maybe not all the way there, but 
awfully close. Columbus is an interesting one. It would be really fun if you would go back to Creighton, but it is what it is. Does not sound like that's happening. <laughs> Does not sound like that is happening. Um, a couple notables. Um, I've actually only got one guy. This is interesting. You know, we talked briefly about the Tennessee guys, but it felt like all of the other notables yesterday, a lot of them were, hey, that guy is coming back to school Mm -hmm. rather than that guy is leaving. One of the guys that did stay, uh, UCLA's Jalen Clark, uh, will stay in the draft. So no no Jalen Clark for Mick Cronin next year. Um, And then I got a, a list here starting with Jamal Shedd. On his way yep. back to Houston. That's a big one for a team making the jump to the Big 12. Speaking of the Big 12, um, Naquan Tomlin headed back to school. Big W for for Jerome Tang and the Kansas State program. Of course, uh, plenty of high uh, of of notable decisions kind of around that Kansas state program and Naquan Tomlin coming back is, is a good one for them. We talked about Trey Alexander returning to Creighton Uh, all aboard. The must bus is Devo Davis, at least for, uh, for one more year. And that's one, a program that's kind of made their living on restocking every year, the last few years and having a, team that looks completely different. That's certainly not, not going to be the case this year, but having a guy like Devo Davis come back is, is not an unimportant development. And then in the Pacific Northwest in Spokane, Gonzaga is going to get Anton Watson back, which is a, uh, which is not an, an unimportant development either. Yeah. That's my list. All of a sudden Gonzaga looks pretty good. Something you weren't sure about at the beginning of this whole thing. Right. Shocking that they figured it out. Shocking. (laughs) Somehow, some way. And yeah, so even though you lose Malachi Smith, they will be just fine. On the Arkansas part of this, yeah, getting Devo Davis back, huge. You do lose Jordan Walsh. You miss out on Ron Holland, who's going to go play in the G League for the Ignite. My stance was always, Muss is going to get one of them. Maybe not all mm-hmm. three, maybe not two. Mm-hmm. He's going to find a way to fill that roster spot with somebody who you know is going to contribute, and he did that with Devo Davis. Yep. Also, want to recognize Adam Flagler's career has come to a close as a personal favorite on this podcast, and especially of yours. Just <laughs> Adam Flagler. Which is probably going to then lead to Ray J. Dennis going to Baylor. I believe he's committing in an hour. Yep. And the other team. I wanted to mention real quickly as kind of a combination of things that have happened that I think is flying under the radar is TCU. Mm. Damian Boss stays in the draft, which is a significant loss. You have replacing to do in the backcourt. Mm-hmm. However, you get Emmanuel Miller back. Those were your two NBA draft guys you weren't sure about. Yep. And also just got Ernest Nude. Overall, considering the circumstances, not a bad end to the offseason for the Horn Frogs. Yeah, we'll take it. We'll take it. I'm out of teams and players to discuss. You got anything else? I don't think so. Well, you know, obviously have more time to reevaluate all this once the portal finally stops churning. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
I think it's set to, you know, in like three years from now, the 2023 portal will come to a close. <laughs> Be like, yep, okay, yep, that final guy finally made a decision. And it's, you know, April of 2026. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that aspect of it. But now you've, right, because now you've got the trifecta of declaring for your for the draft, maintaining your eligibility and entering the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. At which point those players are and you know, you've got your Olivier Kamos and your Arthur Columas who are in that group that, now they're going to make their decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that process exactly. hadn't actually started until they decided that they were coming back to college. And oh, and you know, so Antonio Reeves would also be in that group. Yeah. Right. You had the original portal guys. You had the second group of portal guys. And now we're on to portal group three. Right. right. It's the guys who were going to go portaling no matter what. Right. Then it was the guys who made decisions on going portaling based on the first group's decision to go portaling and where those guys ended up. And then you have this third group of guys that was going to go portaling, assuming that they stayed in college basketball, but wanted to go through the NBA draft process. And now those guys need a place to play college hoops. So there will be plenty of developments over the next couple of weeks. Oh, yes. Next, next four podcasts? Four? I think that's right. Three? After this one? I think three leading up to the draft and then... Two leading or two, up to the draft. Two right? leading up to the draft? Is there only two? Man, I'm going to look at the calendar. Here we go. Um, that's correct. Two leading up to the draft and then a third right after the draft. That's a, We're going to turn our attentions to the NBA draft. Uh, typically a Monday pod during the college basketball offseason. We're going to switch to Thursday for the next couple of weeks. We switched to Thursday today uh, because yesterday was the draft declaration deadline. Thank you very much. And we're going to stay here on Thursday so that on the 23rd, June 23rd, the Friday, right after the NBA draft, we can have a podcast about that. And then after that, we're going to take a 10-day hiatus and then come back on Monday, July 3rd. And then from that point on, we're back to Mondays. So for the next couple of weeks, Thursdays, Friday, right after the NBA draft. The NBA draft is June 22nd, and then we'll get back to regularly scheduled programming. Anything else you got, Josh, that we need to discuss before we get out of here? No. Cool. Please subscribe to the Jays for Days podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Jays for Days Pod, YouTube, Shorts, TikTok, channel, all of that fun stuff. We'll be back. We'll be back in a week. Okay. Next Thursday. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. And we will see you later.